again getting around some points around the dwelling places of the saints, Psalm 45, 8 to 15. Again, we look at our Lord and we can extrapolate that out and say, okay, will it be similar for the saints? All your garments are scented with myrrh and aloes and cassia, and out of the ivory palaces by which they have made you glad. King's daughters are among your honorable women. At your right hand stands the queen of gold in gold from Ophir. Listen, O daughter, consider and incline your ear, forget your own people also, and your father's house, so the king will greatly desire your beauty, because he is your Lord, worship him. And the daughter of Tyre will come with a gift, and the rich among the people will seek your favor. The royal daughter is all glorious within the palace. Her clothing is woven with gold. She shall be brought to the king in robes of many colors. The virgins, her companions who follow her, shall be brought to you. With gladness and rejoicing they shall be brought. They shall enter, and they shall enter the king's palace. And so that is a description of our Lord's palace um, in the heavenly Jerusalem. And it's also a description of the saints, because she is the bride. She's described as the queen here. Um, and she's described as coming to the Lord in robes of many colors. And so let's just unpack this passage. The scripture talks about our Lord's garments, plural, being scented with myrrh, aloes, and cassia. And so all of our Lord's garments currently, he has obviously more than one garment. He has numerous garments, and they are scented with these fragrances, and he wears them. And obviously it is, there's a, a, a room in his palace where these garments are stored. And the angels again would scent his garments for him, and he would put on those garments for whatever occasion it might be. Take that concept over to the, the saints and their residences. They too will have a room. They will also have more than one garment. Uh, the Bible does talk about us being brought for, before the Lord in robes of many colors. And so there will be more than one, uh, numerous garments that each saint will have. Our garments will also be scented with exactly the same thing, myrrh, aloes, and cassia. Um, and it will also be the angels that minister to the saints that will prepare the garments for the saints. And so they will have this room. Currently in the world that we live in today, a room comparable would be uh, a bedroom. But obviously with regards to the saints, no bed in a bedroom. So it'll be a, a closet with a clothing room, whatever you want to call it. Uh, because obviously the saints will not sleep. And so we will have no need of any beds to lie down on because we'll never ever sleep ever again for all eternity. So if you want to catch up on some sleep now, now's the time to do it because you're not going to sleep for all eternity. Um, but that's... Uh, one, another aspect of the residences for the saints. They will have this room within their, their residence where their various garments are stored for them and the angels will prepare their garments for them for whatever occasion it is that they are uh, embarking on at that particular time. Now, some other aspects for the residences of the saints, they will never ever need a bathroom, a place to wash in. Why is that? Because their bodies will never ever perspire. Um, they will be dwelling in a, a perfect environment. We'll get to it as we look at the design of the city. But the glory of God covers the city. And that's why no heat ever touches the saints. Because God does not want his saints to perspire. And so they'll, ne they'll never perspire. 
their bodies will be in a, living in a perfect environment. And so they will never need to wash themselves. The bathrooms will be absent. There will also be no toilet facilities in the residences of the saints in the heavenly city. Why is that? Because we will have no stomachs. We've already mentioned that, 1 Corinthians 6.13. And so every, even though we're partaking of natural foods in the city, we, that food, as we said, just dematerializes within our, the resurrected body. And so there will be no waste products produced by the resurrected body. So that won't be necessary. There will also be no entertainment rooms in the heavenly city. Why is that? Because there's no such thing as television and movies and all that kind of stuff in uh, heaven. And there will be no such thing like that in the heavenly city. Reality will take place and not fiction and imagination. Um, I know, as I say, there are people that um, pretend they go to heaven and they come back and they write books about what heaven's like and they talk about movie making and all that kind of rubbish. Moving on. Um, something else with regards to the heavenly city and the residences. And this one is a little bit of a um, disturbing in, in insight, but it's nevertheless an insight given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if the Lord tells us about it, and he talks about the city specifically, well then we need to take note. So what does he say? Luke 16 verse 1 to 9, he said, He also said to his disciples, There was a certain rich man who had a steward, and an occasion was brought to him, accusation, an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. So he called him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my master is taking away the stewardship away from me, and I cannot dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I have resolved what to do, and that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. For, so he called every one of his master's debtors to him and said to the first, How much do you owe my master? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, Take your bill and sit down and write quickly fifty. Then he said to another, How much do you owe? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, Take your bill, write eighty. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. And the Lord's still speaking. He says, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. That's a given. Verse 9. And I say to you, this is the crux. This is what our Lord is now. He brings out this truth, which as I say is quite disturbing, but it pertains to our heavenly inheritance in the new Jerusalem. And he says to us, Jesus speaking, he says, And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. So let's unpack what our Lord is saying here, because as I say, this particular comment our Lord makes is actually quite disturbing if you actually analyze what he's saying. He's saying that this particular steward would prove to be unfaithful. And so his master said, well, that's it. You can't be a steward anymore. And so the steward was about to lose everything, including his home he was the steward that's where he lived in this home and so he, he kind of comes up with a plan and his plan is well I'm just going to slender my, my master and gain favor with his servants and that's what he does 
And the, the, the master actually commends him because of his shrewdness that he acts with. Now, Jesus is not saying, guys, go out and do the same. Because he says the sons of, of this age are more shrewd in, the, in this, this age than the sons of light. But then the comment is made by Lord. He says, and I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous men. Why, Lord? That when you fail, that can actually be translated, if you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. Another passage of scripture says, into everlasting eternal dwellings. So what is our Lord saying to us here? Our Lord is saying that it is possible that some of his saints, his stewards, prove to be unfaithful in this life. And as a result, when they enter into the heavenly city, they will have no home. They will be home. List. Um, Paul spoke about the same person in 1 Corinthians 3.15. He spoke about the person that they were to kill, hand over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, so that his spirit may be saved. Uh, oh, no, sorry, that, uh, that's, sorry, that's not the one that I was thinking about. I'm thinking about the, the account also in 1 Corinthians it is 3.15, sorry, where you had the two ministers of the gospel. The one built with silver, gold, and precious stones. The other one built with wood, hay, stubble. Both were saved, but when their, their works were, were tested by fire, the wood, hay, and stubble were burnt up. And so he was still saved, but he, the scripture says he was saved so as by fire. And so he had no inheritance. He, he lost everything, but he was still saved. And so he enters into the city having no inheritance, having no home. And Jesus talks about it very plainly. He says, guys, you need to make friends for yourself in this life with money. In other words, help people out. So that if you fail and you find out on that day when you stand before the Lord, well, you actually have no inheritance. You're like the guy who's built with wood, hay, and stubble his whole Christian life, still in the kingdom of God, still saved, not going to be condemned to hell, but there's no inheritance there. It all gets burned up. So they're in the city, but they're homeless. The Lord says the solution to that problem is that those who you have blessed in this life will open the doors of their homes to you in the life to come. So you will not have your own residence, but you will be able to rely on the goodwill of your fellow believers to allow you to live with them in their residences. And so people say, okay, well, at least then the person does have a place to live because he'll be able to live with fellow saints. Well, yes, that's true, but it's not going to be too pleasant for that particular saint for all eternity to live in somebody else's home, not have a home of their own. Because as we've already looked at briefly and as we'll look at a bit more detail, the saints will invite each other over for meals and they'll have fellowship together in their various residences. Now the saint who is living with another saint because he doesn't have a residence of his own will not be able to really invite people over at, at, at will because it's not his home. So he would have to ask permission. Can, you know, can I invite friends over? And obviously that will, permission will be forthcoming. But the point is, is that for all eternity, that saint will not have his own or her own home. And it's very real that that will happen because Jesus said, guys, one of those insurance policies you take out is you bless others with money in this life so that if you fail, um, they could open up their homes to you in the heavenly, in heavenly city. And so not only is it the case of the least of the kingdom of God being housed furthest away from the throne of God, remember we said the city walls are 1,200 kilometers away from the throne, uh, so they're a long way off, they can still see the glory of God, but they, they, um, they don't get to 
be as blessed as the ones who are living 70 kilometers away from the front volume say um, but also there are going to be saints in the heavenly city that in fact will be homeless now that sounds kind of weird and sounds harsh but that's reality i didn't say that jesus did and so as i say we need to take to heart what our lord said about the subject he would not have said that if it wasn't true it is true and so there will definitely be saints that will enter into the city but they will not have a residence allocated to them because they have proven to be unfaithful in this life. They haven't denied the Lord, they're still saved, but everything that they've done in this life was burned up. 1 Corinthians 3.15 speaks about it. But the Apostle Paul, or the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul, sounds the same warning to the saints four times in the New Testament. Now, now, if he sounds it once, we take note. If he sounds the same warning twice, we take note. If he sounds the same warning three times, we sit up and take note. If he sounds the warning four times, well then we really should take note. I've just quoted three of those occasions where the Apostle Paul, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul talks about the same point. And so we do need to take note because it is serious. It, it doesn't impact on our salvation, but it impacts on our eternal inheritance. You say, well, what is it that he sounds? What warning does he sound? 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9 and 10. He says, do you not know? Now, think about the context. The Apostle Paul is writing letters to the saints, to the church. All of these letters, it's in Corinthians, Galatians, and Ephesians. Colossians is the fourth one, but we're only going to look at these three. He writes these letters to the church, to the believers. He's not addressing his letters to unbelievers. And so what he warns us about, he's warning us, the church, the saints about. He's not warning unbelievers. We need to get the, the concept right. Because when we read what he says, straight away our natural thinking is, oh, well, he's talking about unbelievers. No, he's not. He's talking about believers in context. That's exactly the context he's writing to believers. He says, do you not know, believer, I've just put that in there, that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so every believer says, well, Paul, of course we know that. We know that everybody who's an unbeliever are the unrighteous. Who are the righteous? Those who are made righteous in Christ Jesus. So Paul, that's not talking about me. Uh-uh, he is. He's talking, he's saying to Christians, Christian, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so again, our, our natural thinking is, well, that means they, they get thrown into hell. They don't inherit the kingdom of God. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, that, do you not know that the unrighteous will not be saved? He says the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit is very careful in the terminology that he uses here. He is talking specifically about the inheritance of the saint. He's not talking about salvation. Salvation is, is not brought into question here at all. And so we need to get our minds around it because it's a concept not taught to the church and most people don't understand this at all. They don't see it and yet, it, as I say, it's repeated four times in, in Scripture. And our Lord alluded to it in, in Luke's Gospel that we just sort of read now. So getting back to this point, he says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? It's based, he's talking about inheritance here, not talking about salvation. And then he goes on, he says, 
Do not be deceived. Who's not to be deceived? Christians, believers, are not to be deceived. And then he expands on it. He says, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, will what? Enter the kingdom of God? No. Will inherit the kingdom of God. And so he's saying, guys, Christians who practice this as their lifestyle, and they are, they are Christians that practice um, covetousness. They are Christians that practice reviling. They are Christians that practice extortion. They are Christians, sadly, that practice adultery and fornication. Idolatry. Being covetous, the Bible equates it to idolatry. Uh, there are, sadly, there are Christians that are homosexuals and sodomites. So they've given their hearts to the Lord, but they are still living a sinful lifestyle. Now, there is the aspect, we're not going to touch on that in, in any way today, that they continue down that road and they'll eventually reap um, destruction. Our Lord said that. God's not mocked in this area. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. So if you keep sowing Christian to your flesh, you're going to reap spiritual death once again. But if you sow to your spirit, you'll reap spiritual life. And so there is the ultimate, and that is the loss of salvation. But that's not what he's saying here in this passage. He's saying Christians that practice this as their part of their life will not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, they will have no inheritance. They're still saved because they haven't committed the sin to death. The sin to death is denying Christ. And so they still will be absent from the body to be present with the Lord. They will be saved on that day, but they will not have an inheritance. And so the warning very clearly is to the saints. Saints, watch your life. Because how you live impacts not only on your rewards, but your complete lack thereof when you are judged on your day. Galatians 5, 19, 21. Holy Spirit uses almost exactly the same terminology. Now the works of the flesh, again this is written to Christians, are evident, Christian, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Of which I tell you beforehand, so he's already told the churches in Galatia about this, just as I also told you in time past. And so he says, I'm, I'm repeating this. So Paul tells it on a regular basis. So, you know, Paul, why are you telling Christians this? He says that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so again, he's saying, Christian, if this is your lifestyle, I'm warning you, you're, you're going to have no inheritance in the kingdom of God. You will still be saved, although you're on a dangerous path. You can lose your salvation. We're not going to get into that today. But you, you are doing away with your inheritance. You'll be saved on the day, but when our Lord says to you, that's it, you're in, but I, I don't have a home for you. You're going to be homeless. That's part of the, uh, because part of our inheritance in the kingdom of God is the eternal dwelling that we will be given in the city of Jerusalem. And so it's such a, let's look at the, the, the third account that I've got here, Ephesians 5, 3 to 7. Again, writing to the, the church, saints, but fornication and uncleanness or, or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints, 
neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting which are not fitting but rather giving of thanks for this you know that no fornicator unclean person nor covetous man who is an idolater there's the two linked has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God let no one deceive you Christian with empty words for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience therefore do not be partakers with them and so He's saying, unbelievers, when they do this, God's wrath comes upon them. Now, just because you're a believer doesn't excuse you that you can do this. Because one of the first things that happens is you will no longer have an inheritance in the kingdom of God. Your inheritance gets taken away. You're still a child of God, but you're, you lose your inheritance. And that's where the, the, the hyper-grace teaching comes completely unstuck. Because... Everything's under grace. You know, don't tell me about a righteous lifestyle. I'm under grace. Well, that's true. You are under grace. But one of the things you lose straight away is you continue down that line of living, uh, practicing this as a Christian life. And he talks about fornication, unclean person, covetousness, the whole thing. Um, he says you have no inheritance in the kingdom of God. And he says, it, uh, he says, don't let people deceive you with empty words. So don't let people go around telling you, you're under grace, so everything's fine. No, it's not fine. It, it's impacting on your eternal inheritance. It may impact on your salvation as well. We won't touch on that. But it certainly is impacting on you, your eternal inheritance. You will have no inheritance in the kingdom of God. So you will not have a home. You will be like that person that Jesus said. You will have to um, rely on the goodwill of fellow believers to invite you into their homes. Uh, for all eternity, because you will not have your own. Because don't forget, once the city is, the city is complete already, and so God's not going <laughs> to, or I'm not, will build a home for so and so because you know they they've been good for the last two million years, and we'll add a home for them. No, that's it for all eternity, no home. And so we need to understand the seriousness of an unrighteous lifestyle that a Christian can practice how it impacts on the eternal existence. Still saved, still a child of God, but has no residence in the kingdom of God. That's why Revelation 7, 17 says, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes because there will be a lot of tears from a lot of saints on their day of judgment when they realize just what they have foregone because of their chosen lifestyle in this life. We need to take it seriously. And that's as far as we're going to go in the teaching today. We're going to carry on in the next one with regard to the design of the city as revealed to us in Scripture. But we're going to continue.